Welcome to another episode of Monster Soundwave, an unofficial D&D podcast. We've got a great episode for you tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about Fizzman's Treasury of Dragons. Uh, very slow news week, but we will talk a little bit about delays uh, at the end of this one. Uh, that being said, Evan, do you know? Do you want to know why I was a little bit late tonight? By all means, because I was doing something essential for for this podcast. I was focused in, and uh, any guess what it might have been? Mm, uh, enlighten me, sir. It was watching the season two teaser trailer for the Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Oh, of course. Which, as as everybody knows, is is very important to the show. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, gemstone I, dragons. Yeah, yeah, gems. It's gemstones. I didn't even think about that. It actually mm-hmm. is connected. Gem dragons in Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. Gemstones TV show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Don't think there are any dragons in there, but maybe some demons. Um, but yeah. It's been a good good two weeks since we recorded last. Uh, our book club met. We read a book together with some we of did. our friends from college that we mostly liked. We we like all the friends, but we mostly liked the book. <laughs> it's uh, Piranesi or Piranesi by uh, Susanna Clark. Uh, so that was fun. And then, uh, yeah, Fizz fans came out. And... Uh, we're going to go through this chapter by chapter. It's not a campaign book. It's much more of like a, a monster manual, but it's a lot of stuff. Just it's kind of dragons for everybody and what you love about dragons. Um, and it starts with a neat little introduction. There's there's lots of like lore kind of sprinkled throughout the book. But like the first five pages are uh, are pretty much just like all lore and all about dragons. Uh, it starts with this poem, Elegy for the First World. Uh, what did you think about, like, kind of the lore here in this uh, in this first little section? I thought it was kind of a... I mean, I guess my short opinion is, you know, it didn't, kind of didn't blow me away, but I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. I mean, it's not... I don't know if there's anything that I'm going to, like, super incorporate into anything I'm running. Um, but, you know, it's, it's neat, I guess is how I would describe it. Uh, Again, you know, didn't blow me away, but, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think maybe one of the nice things is if somebody is trying to figure out how to bring a dragon into one of their games, they kind of talk about some of the different settings where dragons exist or like how they might exist and stuff. So, right. I I enjoyed that. Um, And then chapter one, this is what I would call the player's chapter. Really, chapters one and two are really for the players, I feel like. Um, but chapter one is all about character creation. And in our last episode, or maybe the one before that, we had talked about one of the new subclasses. We talked about uh, the Drake Warden. Um, and we're going to talk about the other one here in a second. But first, uh, I was wanted to know what you thought about the kind of... Uh, Variant uh, dragonborn uh, racial uh, options, the draconic races. What what did you think about that? I actually kind of really dig them. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the original dragonborn. 
Um, I just, you know, it never kind of blew me away. Um, I really kind of like the three options that are presented here. Um, I think the chromatic kind of, you know, it's kind of presented as the default, but of the three, at least looking at it as a player, it strikes me as probably looks like the most fun, you know, just at a glance. I think the chromatic warding um, at fifth level being able to be immune to damage for a minute, I think that's a pretty clutch ability. You have to spend to burn an action to get it, which in the thick of combat can be, you know, a lot. But I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but then again, you know, getting flight as a gem dragonborn in the psionic mind. And then, you know, the metallic dragonborn, you know, the animating breath, like the incapacitating an enemy is really cool. So, I mean, I think they're all uh, pretty dope as far as that goes. So, you know, I certainly think these are all really cool. Yeah, so so they all get a breath weapon uh, yep. based on, like, the color of dragon that you choose, or the type if you're a gem dragon. Um, and one thing that's interesting is that uh, the gem dragonborn have basically five new types of damage for breath weapons. Right. Um, they get, instead of Acid, Lightning, Poison, Fire, Cold, which are the Chromatic and Metallic types. Um, you get uh, Amethyst Dragons have Force, Crystal Dragons have Radiant Damage, Emerald Dragons deal Psychic Damage, Sapphire deal Thunder Damage, and Topaz deal Necrotic. Um, I will say that the Gem Dragon seems just a little bit like if we're just really trying to grok it and do some math hammer because of the fact that they get psionic mind and can basically telepathically talk to like anybody, even if they don't share a language, like that's just kind of like a bonus thing that, that they get. That seems really powerful, like in the role play right. uh, sense of things, um, which is probably where it would be used more. But uh, I thought those were, I thought it was neat. I, I feel like this is a good, you know, good mix of like not too, not too like off the beaten path, uh, but you know, uh, definitely, definitely a good set of like, hey, if you want to play Dragonborn, you have some options. Um, so let's talk about this. Uh, the new monk. It's the way of the ascendant dragon, and. In in a lot of ways, I feel like, um, like this is just a great way to get like kind of uh, different damage types uh, into your combat as a monk. Mm -hmm. um, it gets draconic presence, which is if you fail an intimidation or persuasion check, you can use your reaction to reroll the check um, as you tap into the mighty presence of dragons. Uh, and you can do that once for long rest after you succeed. So kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I don't know how often like the monk is the uh, intimidation persuasion part of the party, but kind of neat. Um, draconic strike at third level. When you damage a target with an unarmed strike, you can change the damage type to acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison. That's pretty dope that you can that you can pick any of those five and it's not, it doesn't feel like it's locked in, you know, mm -hmm. with the dragon breath weapons. It's like, once you pick that you're, you know, a black dragon doing poison damage, you're just locked into that. But right. the monk is able to kind of change to what he needs. And then you get to learn uh, 
to speak, read, and write Draconic. Um, they also get a breath weapon. Um, and again, their breath weapon is also something that they can change the damage type each time they use it from acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison. Uh, and they roll damage die based on their, their key or their martial arts die. Um, so pretty cool third, like man, third level monk being able to swap around all your damage for unarmed attacks and getting a breath weapon is, uh, feels, feels pretty good for the monk, huh? Right. Uh, I want to say the first time I read through the class, I wasn't super blown away by it. Um, it took me like the second read through in the class that like, uh, at least as compared to the Drake Warden Ranger, just because like you have to read through this and then remember that like you're getting this on top of all the other monk stuff too, because like you're getting all this on top of still getting like stunning strike on everything, and I think right. that like all that and you know getting the uh the what I also love is the uh the breath weapon is in place of an attack, so you mean you can still if you have like you know the fifth level uh, extra attack you can still do one attack and only do one breath weapon and I think that's pretty cool. And especially being able to strike, you know, doing a 20-foot cone or a 30-foot line, being able to strike multiple opponents with an energy right. weapon. I think that's really cool. And, you know, yeah. presents an option to do uh, to do a group, you know, do um, mass damage to multiple enemy combatants that isn't just being the wizard. So I think that's a really cool option for somebody who wants, who wants to, you know, be someone who can damage a bunch of uh, enemies regularly who doesn't just want to play a caster like a wizard or a sorcerer or a warlock. I think that's a cool option. It it definitely feels like it's giving the monk um some more variety when it comes to combat. Like instead of just being like, yep, you can you can punch that guy three times and and do a lot of damage. Like Mm -hmm. um so so I like that. Uh also not that not that too many campaigns get to eleventh level or seventeenth level, but I do feel like if you're playing in a, a dragon based scenario or world that it's more likely that you're going to get to higher level um at 11th level they get an aspect of the worm and they can create like a an aura around themselves uh, either frightening people around them or giving all the people in their aura resistance to a damage type and then their 17th level is just like totally boosts everything else that they Mm -hmm. already have they get a better breath weapon uh they get blind sight out to 10 feet. You know, they can see invisible creatures and stuff. And then also their aura can become explosive fury. So they can, um, you can do a 3d 10 acid, cold fire, lightning, or poison damage to any creature in your aura. Um, so actually it's, it's, you get to choose any number of creatures you can see in your aura. So that's even better because you could have your resistance aura up, have one of your party in that aura with you. And if there's two enemies in there, you could pick the two of them and they each take, you know, on a, on a dexterity save, they're taking 3d 10 of the damage of your choice. Uh, so I, I felt like, wow, this is like kind of a big step forward. I feel like for the monk, um, Drake Warden Ranger. We'll just kind of revisit it again, but this is basically get a dragon companion. Um, 
you get uh, language uh, with Tongue of Dragons. You get uh, Thaumaturgy as a cantrip. Um, and you get a Drake companion who basically gets better with you as you go. Um, at 7th level, it's a mount. Uh, at 15th level, um, you can fly on it. Uh, so it gives you, I feel like, I mean, it's cool for the ranger uh, and especially just anybody who's like, Hey, I really want a dragon pet. This is a, uh, I mean, that's a class for them. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, also interesting monk and ranger, both usually widely panned as maybe not the best classes from the player's handbook. Uh, both of them getting new subclasses here. Uh, you know, nothing for wizard or fighter or anything else there. Um, how do you feel about subclasses being put into a book that is primarily like a monster manual? Uh, I mean, it's kind of awkward on the one hand. I mean, on the other hand, I mean, see, I don't know. I guess I have, I guess mixed would be the best word for my opinion on it. Because, I mean, it's one of those awkward things where if you're playing in person, you have to tell, you know, and you, you know, you're pulling a lot of things out of the book. You're in that awkward phase where you're like, okay, you can read all this section, but don't read any further than, you know, page 30, whatever. Or, you know, don't read this section. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal, ultimately. Um, and it's in one way to keep publishing new material for players that doesn't have, you know, a sudden dearth of, like, new player material where you have a bunch of books coming out. And, you know, if you have, you know, where you've had, you know, we're the, like the last book before this to come out was, uh, you know, the, uh, what was it? Uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which, you know, is a campaign book. And there's a few player options in that. And, you know, before that, it was uh, the Ravenloft book. And there's, you know, a handful of player options in that. And then you have Strixhaven coming out where there's a lot more player options. Had they not put player options in, you know, in the last, in those other three books, it would have been, you know, the better part of a year before there'd been anything player-related published. So I can understand why they're doing that. And, you know, and again, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a huge deal. It's just, you know, and if you're playing digitally, you know, then it ultimately doesn't matter at all. Then, because, you know, if you're playing on Roll20 or wherever, it's always being accessed through the same database. So it's kind of a null point. I'm going to guess that we get something kind of like Tasha's Cauldron of any of everything mid-year next year. Uh, you know, sometime maybe in the summer, maybe September, uh, that kind of collects all of these player resources that have been coming out over mm -hmm. the last year, year and a half at that point. Because uh, Tasha's did that where it pulled in like some of the different like backgrounds, um, subclasses right. that had been like, oh, there's this one subclass here and this one background there. And then it added some new stuff to it. So we'll see with a 5.5 slash six on the yeah. horizon in 2024. Maybe, maybe we won't see that, but I, I would guess that 2022 end of that year, we get some kind of like, you know, that, book that, that, that or yeah, that. that or 2023, maybe at towards the end of the cycle. I could see that, but you know, who knows? Yeah. We'll just have to see. Mm -hmm. Um, they threw in uh, a couple of draconic feats here. Uh, they're all called Gift of the Blank Dragon. So Gift of the Chromatic Dragon, Gift of the Gem Dragon, Gift of the Metallic Dragon. Um, all of them pretty cool. Uh, Gift of the Gem Dragon is kind of like force damage, uh, like as a reaction that you get to throw back at people. 
uh, chromatic dragon uh, lets you um, give uh, extra damage to one of your weapons for a minute, and then it also gives you some resistance to different types of stuff. I think Gift of the Metallic Dragon is probably the most useful. Hmm. Um, you learn the Cure Wound spell, and then uh, you can manifest protective wings that can shield you or others. Um, so you basically you grant a bonus to the target's AC equal to your proficiency bonus against that attack roll, potentially causing it to miss. Um, it's you or any creature within five feet of you. Uh, so I feel like that is maybe the best, but I don't know. They're, they're feats, they're optional rules, they're okay, I feel like. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else on Chapter 1 before we, before we dig into Chapter 2 here? I don't think so. So, uh, reading through Chapter 2, it was just, for me, my experience was just kind of like, oh, wow, that's, that's like, cool. Oh, wow, that's, like, pretty powerful. Oh, wow, these are, these are super powerful. Oh, man, like, why would I ever want to let one of my players get something this powerful? <laughs> um, it's just kind of like, it's just, like, increasing. Oh, hey, I got to go back. Sorry, everybody, my ADHD, I forgot this. A level, uh, I, I just got to say this, a level five uh, Way of the Ascendant Dragon Metallic Dragonborn Monk gets seven breath weapon attacks every long rest. And I thought that was pretty cool that that they could have that many breath weapon attacks uh, by level five. So just thought I would throw that out there as another thing that I thought was fun. Um, okay, but back to dragon magic. So... We've got a bunch of spells in here. One thing I didn't like is that they're or the spells are organized uh, alphabetically instead of by like lowest level first, highest level later. But that's okay. Um, and it's actually just it's just seven spells. Um, but some of them are cool. Did you have any that like stuck out to you that you thought, wow, that's like that's a good spell. It's worth taking. I like the, uh, was it, Rolotham Psychic Lance, which does, you know, 7d6 psychic damage, which is okay damage for a 4th level enchantment, but it also incapacitates the creature until the start of your next turn, which is pretty cool. I'm a big fan of things that both do damage and also shut down an opponent for a turn, which, you know, is super clutch, especially, you know, in the thick of combat. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, so the spells are kind of... uh. You know, they, there's probably something in there that everybody could, you know, want to take or or choose, like depending on their setting and their character and everything else. Um, but then we get into the magic items, uh, and some of these magic items are just like, uh, they're they're really good. Some of them, um, the uh, and so, some of them are just like good for what they are but some of them are uh, very like very good uh one that i liked was the uh, crystal blade and if you've played any uh uh count strad games or the curse of strad uh the crystal blade is basically just a reworking of the sun blade 
Um, when you hit with an attack roll using the sword, the target takes an extra 1d8 radiant damage. The sword has three charges and regains 1d3 expended charges daily at dawn. When you hit a creature with an attack roll using the sword, you spend one charge to regain a number of hit points equal to the extra radiant damage the sword dealt. Like that. Um, and then when you're holding the sword, you can use a bonus action to cause it shed bright light in a 30-foot radius and dim light for an additional 30 feet to cause it to shed dim light in a 10-foot radius or to douse the light. Um, so thought that was cool that, you know, the Sunblade basically got an entry uh, here in this book. Similar, yeah. The, uh, anything that you thought was just, like, exceptionally uh, cool? Uh, it's cool that we have stats for the Dragonlance now. You know, if you've ever read the old uh, you know, Dragonlance novels, um, you know, we have the stats for that now. And, you know, later we've got the stats for Draconian. So, you know, getting closer and closer to getting a Dragonlance uh, setting book, which who knows if we're ever going to get that properly. But, you know, there's more of that. Uh, so if you want to try and recreate that on your own now, it's a little easier. Um, I like to play with Tiamat myself, which is uh, pretty cool. So that was one of the ones I was like, oh, wow, that is very powerful. Uh, so you gain a plus three bonus to attack and damage rolls made with it. And then when you hit with an attack roll using it, the target takes an extra 5d4 damage of your choice of one of the following types, acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poisoning. And while holding the flail, you can use an action, speak a command word to cause the heads to breathe multicolored colored flames in a 90-foot cone. <laughs> That's huge. Like, yep. That's that's the size of the map on yep. most maps. You know, <laughs> like each that's... creature in that area must make a DC eighteen dexterity saving throw. That's crazy. Yep. And on a failed save, it takes fourteen D six damage of you pick the damage type. I mean, like, that's bonkers, right? <laughs> like, yeah. The only... You, can I have that weapon in one of our games, <laughs> Evan? Like... <laughs> sure, but you just have to kill the guy who's wielding it against you first. <laughs> and I mean, you can only do that, that crazy 90-foot cone once per day, but still, once per day, 90-foot cone, like, that's like, hey, like, let's just wipe out the entire village of whatever right. we're fighting, you know? <laughs> like... Or let's oh. just end this encounter in one strike. Mm -hmm. Um. So w one thing that I was thinking is that dragons, and and we're gonna see this as we go through the book. Dragons make great boss monsters. Absolutely. And I think that you know most adventures in D and D, like the prepackaged prepackaged adventures, usually go to like level ten, level twelve. Some of them crack all the way to level 15, but very few of them are like, this one goes to level 20. And so I think that this book kind of becomes like an essential tool for that dungeon master who's like, I've been running this campaign for three years or four years, and my characters are level 17, level 18. I need something to throw at them. I need cool stuff to give them. Um, I think this book has a lot of stuff for higher level mm -hmm. adventures. What do you, what do you think about that? 
I think so, and I'll... And moving ahead a little bit, I think that's kind of one of the th cool things about dragons uh, as monsters. And with the, that's one of the things they do with their age categories is you mentioned the way adventures are kind of structured. Um, the way they have, you know, they have young dragons, they have adult dragons, they have, they have wormlings, they have young, they have uh, adult and ancient. Um, I've always kind of seen it as that, you know, Typically, like if you have a wormling dragon, I don't, I don't know that I've ever used wormlings really. But uh, when you have like you know, like when you're talking about like your standard D and D campaign, you know, your your early levels, you know, like levels one to five. Um, if you want like a good capstone, like boss encounter for uh, like a little like around level five to six, a young dragon, you know, of any color really works really good for that. And then you know when you're talking about like the next capstone, you know, when you're talking about levels ten or eleven. An adult dragon works really good for that, you know, when you're talking about a really good boss monster to build up to. And then, of course, you know, when you're talking about towards the end, you know, 18, 19, or like maybe a little bit lower, like 16 or 17 towards the end, uh, an ancient dragon works really well as, a, you know, as a capstone for, you know, for that kind of monster to throw out your players. And then, you know, assuming that, you know, you mentioned if you have a group that for whatever reason you've been playing for years and you have, you know, a 20th level party and you've got a huge amount of loot and stuff at them and, you know, they're, you've got great worm dragons in here and things that you can throw at them that, you know, even a 20th level party that has legendary magical items and, you know, you've given them divine boons from the DMG and a bunch of things. You've got, you know, you can throw friggin' Tiamat or something at them, like these CR30 encounters that are going to be extremely difficult, even for the most seasoned and, you know, most well-equipped of parties. So, you know, really from level one to all the way to level 20, you're well within rights of throwing a dragon at them at any given point and have it be, you know, an extremely memorable encounter. And I think that's kind of what this book does is kind of show you how to do that and kind of show you how to tie that into your campaign and how to, you know, you tie lore and uh, how to tie um, horde items and things like that into your campaign and uh, things like that. And I think that's really cool. Speaking of horde items, uh, the next thing in chapter two here is horde magic items. And this is basically a group of items. Um, they give some examples here, but I think it's something that you could also build into your campaign or you could create your own where basically um when dragons have their horde um some of the some of the magic items in that horde uh get more powerful the longer they've been in that horde and so um there's basically four levels of each of these uh horde items slumbering is like it's it's the, the weapon's been like in a wormlings horde or or it's just like was in a horde once but now it hasn't been used in a long time then stirring is from a young dragon's horde wakened is from an adult and then an ascendant is from an ancient one and uh they give a table of quirks that each of these um items might give you but then there's also um basically uh they they basically have a dragon wrath's weapon um a dragon touched uh focus for a spellcaster uh a dragon vessel and then a scaled ornament and again these aren't like that amazing when they're in their slumbering or stirring uh like stages 
but man, once you get up to that wakened and ascendant levels, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, they get pretty, pretty crazy good, pretty fast. Um, so some cool stuff in there. I'm not going to talk about those too much because it's a pretty small part of the book, but uh, some neat stuff in there. And then we get to draconic marks. Um, and the the death of a dragon can result in its power taking root in a character, whether that person is the dragon's chosen heir or the dragon's killer. The result of this investiture can vary widely in power and impact from minor charm to a complete transformation. And uh, I felt like there were there's some pretty, pretty crazy stuff in here, too, as far as like, you know, what what drops on the players. But these should really be seen as a uh, like as another set of magic items, uh, almost. Um, uh, but again, kind of cool stuff, neat ways to like add flavor to a campaign. I think, mm-hmm. you know, either having somebody be a dragon's heir that they've been like serving um, or possibly being, you know, when when they kill that dragon or the person who lands kind of the final fl- final blow getting some kind of you know draconic mark on them uh pretty pretty uh pretty cool they also have some rules for giving people uh feats as draconic gifts so some cool stuff in there um and that kind of ends chapter 2 which really takes us through the the player's guide part of this book. Um, so we've got some different dragonborn races, race options, two new subclasses, some spells, magic items, some feats, uh, draconic marks, and then the cool horde items uh, that are brought in there. And then chapter three, dragons in play, and chapter four, layers and hordes, are uh, really the what i would call kind of the uh like the dungeon master's guide to incorporating dragons into your campaign um and so we've got stuff in here about um role playing dragons dragon followers dragon encounters adventures and campaigns um and there's some really cool stuff here where basically like it i like this because it's really focusing on you could use these for for dragons but you could really use some of this stuff for like really developing any major villain or monster in your in your game um and so there's some a lot of this is like D table heaven in here yeah. <laughs> um what did you think about that uh, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, this is especially like um, just to gush for a second. I super want. I mean, it's it's something basic, but I love the dragon name table kind of out of all of them, just because I'm someone who kind of struggles with coming up with names for monsters, uh, especially you know, uh, especially like for a dragon sometimes because, especially when you're trying to name something like that, it's really difficult to pull off well. Um, I don't want to go on a rant on this one thing here, but like, there's always that line between like, you want it to sound, you know, exotic without it being, you know, so hard to pronounce that the party isn't just going to say, yeah, I'm not going to say that. 
or goofy. And I think this table, you know, presents, even if it's, you look at it and decide, yeah, I'm not going to use that name, you're presented with enough options here that it gives you a lot to work with, which I think is really cool. And just, you know, the whole mannerisms table is cool and the bonds and, you know, the whole flaws and secrets. I mean, there's a lot to work with here. And then the cool thing about it is you can look through all of these and not use a single one. But there's so much here that you think, you know, like, oh, I may not use any of these, but it's given me my own ideas. And that's kind of the whole point of it is, you know, it starts, you know, the ball rolling and gives you ideas. And that's, you know, that's ultimately what the whole thing is about is, you know, to get your creative juices flowing, as it were, and to get you thinking, you know, you know, about creating, you know, thinking like a dragon or, you know, any monster or any creature and getting you, you know, build it up and think about, you know, how to portray it. And so that's always really cool. Yeah, I think what I love is some of the like encouragement to like customize dragons. Like, mm. you know, they can have more than one language, giving them yep. different skills, giving them different spells. Um, and then they actually bring up uh, like some traits and actions uh, that, you know, are traits of like other monsters in the in the monster manual that's like oh maybe maybe your dragon is a tunneler you know and gets a burrowing speed or um you know maybe it's a shape changer or something like that and so they have a bunch of stuff for that in this section they also talk about like what are the goals of dragons um and they've got tables for that for like you know what's a wormling's goals or what's like an ancient dragon's goals uh so there's some cool stuff there um they also have a big section kind of it, it's kind of lorry but i love that they just like th like it doesn't feel like they left anything out of this book when it comes to dragons that there's a section on where did where did the dragon eggs come from like the origin of dragon eggs um they have stuff about creating half dragons um which i thought was really cool then they get into this whole like death of a dragon and basically all of these different things like like you know when you kill a dragon it should be kind of an epic thing right like and yeah there's a horde yeah there's probably treasure and stuff but i love that it's like hey dragons need to like like when you kill a dragon especially a big one like it should affect like you know the entire region with with what's going on there you know that right. it, sh it should affect the characters right there but like they give different ideas for like you know maybe maybe the water becomes like poisoned for you know for a certain amount of days like around that you know dragon's lair maybe there's like an earthquake um that you know can be felt out for five or ten miles like there's just some cool stuff there um they also, this is like a new, I, I don't know if it's new because, because I haven't read like some of the older Draconomicons. Um, but one of the things that they talk about here is dragon echoes. And that came up kind of in the beginning of it. Um, but basically, as dragons get more powerful, they can communicate with other versions of themselves across the multiverse. And these are called echoes. And so. Sometimes to avoid dying or to prolong life, a dragon that has achieved an ability to like connect to its echo um, across the multiverse is able to like 
gain power from one of these other ones or is able to like merge with an echo from another multiverse. Um, just some really cool stuff. And we keep seeing in every like the last couple of books, we're seeing like stuff about planes and stuff about domains, domains of dread, domains of delight. Now we're seeing stuff about echoes across the world and like dragons in the multiverse. Evan, I, we've got to be getting some kind of like <laughs> manual of the planes or spell jammer. It's got to be coming, right? They had the the preview for uh, like, you know, multiverse races and stuff mm -hmm. like I'm just like, stop toying with us. Tell us when it's coming. If it's not, it's a deliberate attempt at trolling. I'll put it like that. Dude, they're they're pro I can't imagine that they'd be trolling us with some kind of manual right. complaints. They're they're definitely doing it. This is how they they've done it before, and I just hope that we get to see something really cool. And yeah. we're about to get like Strixhaven, which is another setting in a different plane. Like you've got like all the planes of D and D, and then you've got all the planes of magic. And I'm just like. Now, I, I'm a little worried slash excited because I'll be honest, I like Magic the Gathering. I just don't like blowing like thousands of dollars on cards so I can go. Right. <laughs> so I can go still lose at the local tournament. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, I'm wondering if they will release something that's like Jace's Guide to the Plains or like Chandra's Guide to the Plains or like the gatekeeper's guide to the planes, like use something from magic, the gathering to kind of blend all these worlds and planes of existence together. But, um, I don't think that'd be the worst thing. Yeah. But I'm sure some like hardcore fans of one side or the other would be like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. I, I could see them. Uh, if they're making a D and D book, I could see them wanting to use like a D and D IP, but Oh no. Oh no. Who knows? I mean, they're, you know, Strixhaven is there. Not Hogwarts school, so who knows? Right, exactly. Um, they also talk to, talk about a bunch of like other things in this chapter. So they talk about dragons looking shapes shift. They talk about dragon organizations, whether it's a cult or um, a chamber of dragons. They give some different ideas of like, like if there's a group of dragons, what's the adventure hook on that? Like, or what are their goals? Um, so some neat stuff there. They mm -hmm. also talk about followers, um, and the different types of followers that they might have, whether it's like, you know, crime boss or a noble or a teacher or a patron or a warlord. Uh, so that's kind of cool. They have tables for all that stuff, obviously. Uh, they also have like, the magic that's in dragons might be in your minions. My favorite one was the explosive minion. When the minion <laughs> dies, it releases a burst of energy in a five foot radius sphere. Each creature in that area takes one D eight damage of the same type. It's master's breath weapon deals. I just love the idea of like some like, you know, adult dragon with like 20 cobalt, like super small, like, you know, uh, creatures just like running around and, blowing up every time they, you know they every time the party decides to like attack a cobalt instead of the big dragon like oh he burst into flames <laughs> take a d8 fire damage um 
And then really, we're about halfway through this chapter, they get into dragon encounters, dragon ventures. And this is where I think it's really cool, because they talk about, like, you can have a dragon as a monster. You can have a dragon as, like, a scheming dragon who's trying to do something. Um, you know, you can have a, a dragon that's seeking power. And then they also talk about, like, building a campaign around a dragon. And they've got a bunch of stuff on that, like talking about dragon gods, um, you know, dragons of myth and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, th this book is like, if you're into dragons and I'm, I'm pretty into dragons. I've got like 30 dragon miniatures in my house. Most <laughs> of them are unpainted, but that's okay. Um, but this book is just like, I don't know. I, I fell in love with this book. This yeah. is this is probably my favorite book. Like use wise, I probably use Tasha's Cauldron of everything more than I use this book. But like in the last like two years, this is this is one of my favorite books to come out because mm. I just I love dragons, man. Um, chapter four, we get into layers and hordes, and this this might be a good place to talk about layers. Um, so now this was added in fifth edition, right? This wasn't in 4E. I know we and, didn't play a lot of 4E, did we? Uh, I only ever ran as a DM one fourth edition thing ever. And I would not consider the experience particularly good, mostly due to my own unfamiliarity with it and my own, you know, uh, issues with it as much as, but mostly my own problems as opposed to the material. But of, and as far as that went, I don't believe there's anything there in that. But again, you know, extremely limited experience on my part. Um, and then so, I've read and I've read a little bit about it and I've played briefly. So. So anyways, fourth edition, I had some of the books. We played some games in there. I don't remember layers. Maybe they were yeah. there. Maybe they came out later. I don't know. That's something that happens also in editions. The stuff gets released and then it becomes more like canon in the next edition. Right. But um uh I the idea of like layers having different like traps or effects. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things in 5e is, you know, if a monster or an evildoer is in their lair, they have layer actions that give them uh or layer effects like where they get bonuses for being in their lair. Um and so some cool stuff in here about that. And then also talking about like uh, hordes, like more information about hordes, like a haunted horde or cursed horde, uh, people competing for a horde. And then we get back into the book of tables where there's all sorts of tables about creating a horde and what should be in the horde and how much money's in the horde. I'm just going to say this really quick, Evan, as somebody who's been playing in Curse of Strahd, like when I read things like, oh, there's an adult dragon should have 28,000 gold pieces in their hoard. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what we would spend 28,000 gold on in Strahd. Like everybody's dead in this world. Literally, they're literally all dead. And like all we can buy is dream pies from an evil character. So great I mean, job. Yeah. I've really enjoyed wearing mundane armor and mundane <laughs> weapons for two thirds of the campaign. 
dying like three times. (laughs) All right. But now we get into the thick of it. This is so we're only on page 75. The rest of the book is filled with these two chapters. Chapter five is the Draconomicon. Chapter six is a bestiary. And let's let's go through here. So the Draconomicon basically. What's the best way to to say this? This is the. Kind of the. Build a dragon, his lair and his. And his like goals and treasures, his hoard, like for 20 different types of dragons. And so they've got the five gem dragons, the five chromatic dragons, the five metallic dragons, and then they throw in some bonus ones just for fun. So in addition to those 15, we get the deep dragon, the dragon turtle, the fairy dragon, um, the shadow dragon. What did I miss? There's one more somewhere. Moonstone dragon? Is that one of the... uh... Gemstone dragons. And it's one, of the, one of the gemstone dragons. Mm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's 19. Hmm. Oh, it's 20. All right. So hold on. I'll go over it again. Shadow dragon. The fairy dragon. The dragon turtle. The deep dragon. Dragon draconic shard. There oh wait, no, 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 no. That I'm looking at the wrong thing. Oh. Ignore me. What did we miss? Are there six gem dragons? There are. Okay. No, maybe, no, the moonstone dragon is maybe not one of them. Okay. There you go. You were right originally. So, anyways, twenty dragons. Each one gets about four or five pages. Um, it comes with a map of their lair, like a sample lair for them. It comes with uh, like different um, adventure hooks for each of them. It comes with different creatures that would be connected to this type of dragon. Uh, it covers, I don't know, what type of art objects would be in their hordes. Um, talks about creating those types of dragons. So we're, I mean, we're talking about everything. The black dragon gets like five pages. Also just beautiful art in here, uh, all throughout the book, some really gorgeous dragon pictures. Um, but I, I would say that if you want to have a dragon as a boss in your game, this book probably has the easiest way for you to build something. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about, oh, nope, that's the next chapter, but I'll talk about it there. Um, There's also, like, cool little, like, lore side panels in here. It's really neat to see the different types of layers that the different dragons might have. Like, um, some of them, like, are, you know, built more like a fortress. Some of them are, like, caves. Some of them are, you know, underground. Just some really neat stuff. Um, the blue dragon has beautiful art in here. Of course, there's like 900 red dragons in this thing. Mm-hmm. Also, while we're talking about art, 
beautiful art on both of these books, right? Like, oh, yeah. I think I think the regular edition and the uh, and the alt edition both just gorgeous. And then to so they've basically got like how to build a lair for any type of dragon, and then we get into the bestiary, and this is going to give us our five gem dragons. Um. And then it's going to give us a bunch of like extra stuff. There's an aspect of Bahamut, uh, Bahamut, sorry, an aspect of Tiamat. Uh, those are both, I think, challenge rating 30. So mm -hmm. when you're talking about those high level campaigns, there's some stuff for you. They also have a new like level beyond ancient dragons, the great worms. So they have the chromatic great worm, the gem great worm, and then the, uh, the metallic great worm. So these are like just like super dragons. <laughs> um and so these great worms, along with the dragon turtle, and I'll just focus on the dragon turtle because I love that like, hey, what needs a boost? And it's like, you know what we don't have enough of? We don't have enough dragon turtles in the world. So the uh man, there's a lot of D in this bestiary. Um, <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? Um, so the ancient dragon turtle has the blessing of the sea. So it, it starts with 409 hit points. But if the dragon turtle would be reduced to zero hit points, its current hit point total instead resets to 350 hit points and it recharges its steam breath. Additionally, the dragon turtle can now use the options in the mythic action section for one hour. So both the ancient dragon turtle and the great worms all have this thing where it's like, it's the ultimate like old school video game where it's oh, like, yeah. oh, I killed the boss. Nope. Health bar recharges. And yeah. now he's flashing red at you because he's super <laughs> angry. And yeah. Um, I was just like, man, that is like the ultimate, like, screw you version. Also, there's like a lion dragon, an elder brain dragon. Uh, there's, there's a Drake, which is like a weird beholder, beholder. dragon. So there's just like all kinds of these crazy, crazy dragon stuff. There's, there's a ghost dragon in here. That's super cool. That wasn't in it. So no ghost dragon in the build a lair, but I'm sure you could make it up. Mm -hmm. Also a horde mimic, uh, which I think is super fun. So just like bad guys in the horde. Um, yeah. Did you have a favorite in here? Mine is a dragon turtle, but did you have like something that you thought was like super cool? To the surprise of no one, the Elder Brain Dragon. Yeah. Gotta love your crazy beholders. Yeah, um, uh, or Mind Flayers. I, I just love the tadpole brine breath. The idea of this dragon is like flying into a town, blasting everyone in the town with the tadpole brine breath. And then, you know, and what is it? Uh, how many hours? 60, 12 hours. Everyone that was killed is now a Mind Flayer. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying when you think about it. Um, not a huge index in this book. Um, they basically just talk about like some of the creature lists, and uh, but the table of contents is good. 
again, love this book. Love it to the moon and back. Mm. But let's talk about something really quickly. Any of your final thoughts on this book? And just like, you know, is this a book you would recommend to your average DM, your average player? Uh, Average player, I'm going to say probably not necessarily. I think if you are super into dragons and you really want to be somebody who has a dragon pet, I think that uh, Drake Warden Ranger is an option for you. But just somebody, you know, who's like, yeah, you know, I play D&D and I kind of like dragons. Maybe, but, you know, average person, probably not average player. DM, I would say, um, probably it's a solid purchase just because there's enough different dragon options in there that especially the bestiary is uh, meaty enough that there's probably at least two or three different uh, good uh, monsters in there that you could throw into an encounter, even if you're not running a, you know, a dragon-based campaign. And there's enough good ideas in there that even if you just want, you know, even if you're running, you know, a campaign that has not a whole lot to do with dragons, there's enough encounters in there that if you just want to change stuff up, that, you know, I think it would be worth having if you're a DM. So I think I could sure. recommend this, you know, to, a, to any to any given DM, I think it's worth having. Yeah, I think you've got all your main, like, dragon stuff, but then the bestiary having sea serpents and dragon turtles, you know, if you're running more of a, like, aquatic adventure type right. thing, there's stuff for you. If you're running an undead, you know, um campaign there's the ghost dragon and other stuff like that if you're doing like an underdark thing um you know you've got the eye dragon you've got some other like creepy like dragon companion type stuff in there so i think there is definitely uh, even if you're doing the feywild i mean i think dragons in the feywild are like a really good like fit like i think that if i ever run wild beyond the Witchlight, like you know definitely going to throw one of these gem dragons in there to be kind of like a like something else to interact with for the players so i i think there's a lot of cool stuff in here um so if you're a dm i would say yeah you got to pick this up or if you just love dragons a lot of good art um and a lot of cool just like ideas about dragons so um a couple of things uh strixie it now Fizzbands was delayed by a week. Strixhaven delayed by three weeks. It's now coming out December 7th. So we're about a month away from when we're recording this to when that comes out. And uh, I was thinking about this. At first, I was like, yeah, it's probably like all the shipping and the China ports and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. And Los Angeles, there's no trucks, whatever. But I was thinking, I never understood why they were going to release three books one month right after the other. Boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. It was like like a three week break and then a four week break. And it was like, man, in, in like seven, seven and a half weeks, we're going to get three brand new books. Like it seemed a little tight to me. And I think them pushing, pushing that stuff out, like by spreading these out, I think it gave some of the other books time to breathe. Yeah. Because wild beyond the witch light, they did their whole like carnival themed, like announcement thread where they talked about the new edition coming. Um, now they've got some time for Fizzbands to breathe. And then, uh, you know, Strixhaven, it looks like we'll have maybe a couple of months in January. There's that gift set coming out. And then in March, we get the, uh, Nether Deep book that's based on one of the critical role settings. So, um, interesting that stuff got delayed. I will say this, when I went to go pick up Fizzbands, there were no copies of Wild Beyond the Witchlight at my local game store. No, 
none of the alt covers and none of the regular covers. And so that was interesting. And I wonder if there are some shipping issues with like, maybe they were just able to get that first print wave like out. Um, and we'll see, you know, if, if obviously like the PHB and stuff that's in Walmart, it's all over the place. So like those are going to keep getting printed, but, um, you know, scarcity of books, even, even the regular art covers may, may become something that like we see more and more, especially as we move on to a new edition in a couple of years. And if shipping everything from China continues to be as difficult as it's been, um, it may be like, hey, like the these are available when they come out, and then maybe they're not as easy to get right afterwards. Yeah, um, that was just something that I noticed when I was at the the game store picking this up. It's a scary thought, actually. You know, is it going to become like you know, um, not to go on a huge tangent here, but you know, if you if you're familiar with uh, but Fantasy Flight Games, their printing schedule is, um erratic i think it's putting it diplomatically it sometimes uh it feels like where like they'll print something and then they'll sell out of it and it won't go into print again for years and you won't be able to get a copy and like the copies that are out there the cost will skyrocket because smaller company and they can't afford to do huge print runs but you know with all who knows yeah it'll be interesting to see and wild beyond the witch light is still available on amazon right for you know 38 bucks so it's obviously not like totally out of print or anything like that or out of stock everywhere but um it'll just be interesting to see like how much are we going to end up getting uh you know books delayed or books not coming in when they think um, hopefully now that now that we're in the shipping crisis that we're in, you know, Watsi is being more, which, by the way, is Wizards of the Coast uh, yeah. who makes D&D and Magic and, and a bunch of billion other things. Um, but hopefully they have kind of got their announcements lined up to, hey, like, let's announce stuff when we know that it's like RA on the boat. And, you know, obviously... They can't wait for it to get to customs, but you know, stuff they don't want stuff to leak. They want to be in control of the marketing and the messaging. But I wouldn't be surprised if we either see some more delays or maybe we go a little bit quiet with the news uh until until shipping is a little more stable Able. for them. Um other quick thing, uh Sky Rider Sky Raiders of Abrax. Uh this is the a uh, new pair of books. It's a player's guide and a game master's guide is on Kickstarter until November 16th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in the United States. So uh, it is a pair of books written by the uh, kind of creators of Dragonlance. Uh, this is very much like a steampunky type setting new subclasses new races new blah 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 blah. all the stuff that comes out in every kickstarter these days um but this one's got some pretty serious talent behind it um so uh looks like it's gonna be pretty high production value i will say this um i've backed some different 
D&D 5e books on Kickstarter. Everything that I've, every physical reward that I've backed on Kickstarter has been delayed. And some of them, it's just like complete unknown delay. Like where I've got the digital version, they've released like the, the PDF of the book uh, to the backers and stuff. And then the timeline for when will the book arrive is like completely unknown. They're sitting in a container somewhere in the world right now, either in China or in on a ship like or whatever. So I would just encourage people if you're backing stuff on Kickstarter and they say, yeah, it's going to be here in April. I would guess probably not going to arrive in April. Um, so something to just be wary of with with any purchase uh, these days that shipping is especially if it's coming from outside of the country, that it's going to be slower uh, than ever before. Um, so this is great because we're basically done with this vans. We're not done with it. We're done talking about it tonight. Um, but our next group of episodes, obviously we're going to take a break when Strixhaven comes out to talk about that. But our next group of episodes are going to be about the different classes uh, that you can play in Dungeons and Dragons. And we're going to be looking at why you should play a specific class, what's cool about the class, what you should know that the class is not good at. Um, and then we'll maybe do like a little ranking of the different subclasses. Uh, we're not going to get into every single, well, we'll rank every subclass that's in the, that's in the core of D and D. Um, but uh you know, I think it's something where it's fun to talk about and choosing your class in D&D right now, especially after Tasha's, is now probably the most defining thing for your character at this point in time. So um, hopefully that'll be fun. We've got just enough of a break where hopefully there won't be lots of new classes or subclasses coming out for a while. And so we can we can get that solid. Um and then uh, we may we may also do a special episode um, when we finish our current campaign uh, that we've been playing. So uh, we'll see about that. I've got to line people up for that or see if people are available at some point. But anyways, that's kind of some exciting stuff that's going on. And then uh, we hope that you all enjoy, uh, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons and, and letting dragons be a part of your life. Uh, Evan, any, any final words this evening? I'll just say that you mentioned we're finishing up our current campaign, uh, Curse of Strahd, which we are, and looking forward to the next campaign I'm planning on running. Let's just say that this book was timely and that the next campaign may or may not feature a few dragons. So I'm glad this book came out when it did. I'm so excited. So excited for that. All right. Well, this has been Monster Soundwave, an unofficial D&D podcast. Uh, like, subscribe, share, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us highly. And we hope that you have a great time playing Dungeons and, Dra Dungeons and Dragons or reading Dungeons and Dragons or just listening to two nerdy guys talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Have a great couple weeks. We'll see you later.